This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions, recorded live in the city of Melbourne. Today's big question, superheroes. Do we need another one? We ask this question today to Dr. Sam Chan. Sam is a preacher, author, cultural analyst and medical doctor, and he works as a national communicator with City Bible Forum, and he joins me now. Please welcome Dr. Sam Chan. Thank you. Well, Sam, welcome to, welcome to Bigger Questions. Thank you, Robert. Yeah, it's great to see you. Now, yeah. today we're talking about superheroes. Yeah. So did you ever read superhero comics? When you were a kid? I grew up reading lots and lots and lots of comics, and most of them would have been superhero comics. Yeah. And it got to the point where my mum was so worried. I don't know, probably many of you aren't old enough to remember, but there was a time in the 70s, maybe even the 60s, where there was this idea that comics were bad for children on two levels. One, they would actually impede their reading skills. They need to be reading proper books. It was actually going to make them bad readers so my mother was worried about that but two they were morally evil they were going to subvert and make your children into bad people so I remember at the age of eight my mother had to go to my third class teacher and tell her how do I get my kids to stop reading comic books it was a a big fear of my mother I was yeah. just consuming so what, too many what, what comic did she, books what did she come up with I, I, to this day, I can't remember, but maybe the teacher just said it's okay. Like, it's, okay <laughs> it's okay that he's read. reading comic books. Okay, Better well, that or nothing. Yeah, well, Should we tell the audience we're actually dressed up as superheroes today? <laughs> we're going to sell them. Yes, we I are. I have a Batman t-shirt and yep. Robert has a Superman t-shirt. That's right, yeah. Yep. Were you going to mention this? No, I mean, wasn't. No. So, uh, <laughs> so it's like this we've done a, a special effects. The, uh, like we can't do CGI. That's not in our budget. <laughs> So to kick off bigger questions, we do like to ask a couple of smaller questions. We do try to have a bit of fun on the show. And today we're asking Sam Chan about superheroes. So Sam, I thought we'd test you on how much you know about superheroes. Mm. So you feel qualified? Uh, never, not with you, Robert. You'll find <laughs> some way to make this weird. Okay, sure. <laughs> okay well, there's two questions, both multiple choice. Question one, according to List25, a website which compiles lists of intriguing information on a variety of subjects... Who is the most powerful superhero of all time? Was it A, Batman, B, Thor, C, Superman, or D, Justin Bieber? So which of those was the most powerful superhero of all time? Whoa. I just want to say, Thor, God of Thunder. Only because I've always wanted to say that. And you're right. Really? Yeah. Who Thor? <laughs> That's I right, thought was. Superman was more powerful. No, no, he was at number three, apparently, and Batman didn't even make the list. So How do they thought, even define powerful? Well, that's a, it's, How's it's, Justin Bieber more powerful than Batman? Uh, well, he didn't, he, didn't make it, he didn't make the list either. So oh, I yeah. that was my sort of attempt oh, at, yeah. at a joke. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So List 25 isn't probably the most authoritative source. So who do you think, then, is the most powerful superhero? It's Superman, and that was the problem with Superman. He was too powerful. There was nothing he couldn't do by the end. Yeah. He could fly in outer space. I remember one time when something bad happened, he was able to fly in outer space and then, re and then fly around planet Earth, reverse the flow of planet Earth, reverse time, and reverse <laughs> the bad thing that had happened. And 
if, I remember Jordan Peterson in his book Twelve Rules for Life said that was the problem with Superman. Nothing could go wrong for him. There was he, he was too powerful, and it just became a very very boring story. They had, <laughs> they had to invent kryptonite just to make the story worthwhile again, just yeah. to give him a weakness him a which weakness. he never had before. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, question two. Again, according to list twenty five, which is the top superpower that you wish that you had? Oh. Was it A invisibility, B healing? C, flying, or D, the ability to sing like Justin, Justin Bieber. Bieber. <laughs> so which of those? I is love the, the Bieber top? one. You would? I, I listened to a whole This American Life podcast on this where they went around asking people, and basically we are divided in two. Half of us would love the ability to fly anywhere and be anywhere, anytime we want. Yep. The other half of us want to be invisible. And there's even a creepy sub message there those of us who want to fly we want the power to do good like yep. prevent crime make a difference those of us who want to be invisible so we can get away with things right so yeah. which one do you think is the top one then oh, i think flying everyone wants to fly no they want to be no invisible. no you're right it's oh. true it is it's true yes it is yes yes healing was number 22 invisibility 24 in and the ability to sing like justin bieber didn't make the top 25. So, but anyway, so Sam, is overrated, isn't you're, it? You're my hero, yeah. Sam, because you got two of our two well, it was smaller questions right. Yeah, big round of applause for Sam. Thank you. So which superpower would you choose then? I love Batman. Everyone loves Batman because you get to say, I'm Batman. <laughs> uh, but because uh, he Bat- was just a normal guy, but he just, because he'd done jujitsu, karate, he yeah. could just win any street fight. Yeah. I think that's what I want, the power to win a street fight. But people have <laughs> pointed out Batman's superpower really was wealth. Right. He, he's, that's where his power comes from, that yeah. he had just so much money, he could invent and buy any toy he wanted. Yeah. So you wouldn't call you, what, Bat-chan? Bat-chan. Perhaps. <laughs> or Bat-Sam. Yeah, or, or Spider-Chan, perhaps. You never thought about becoming a superhero yourself? Every boy wanted to be a superhero. And I think every, I'm sure girl as well, and every kid, we didn't just read comic books, but during school you'd be drawing, inventing your own superheroes and thinking, yeah. okay, what superpower can I give them? So what did you, what did you draw? It was all Batman and Robin in my day, you know, swinging from ropes, climbing buildings and just being able to win a street fight. <laughs> okay, that was the goal. Everyone wants now, to win a Now, we've asked some really big questions on this show. So I, I want to know, what, this is one of the big ones. Oh, okay. So where have all the superhero capes gone? So Wonder Woman used to have a cape, but now it's gone. Most of the modern superheroes on our screens are capeless, except perhaps Captain Underpants. But why is that? Why, why are we, why are they got the, where's the capes gone? I have a feeling it all goes back to we needed capes. One, because it just made them look more regal and they could hide behind the cape. But then when they started putting them on TV, it's the only way you could make it look like Superman was flying because you have the f- cape flowing behind him. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And it, so it helped because they didn't have CGI, so it helped give the illusion of, of flight. Flying. Yeah, yeah. So why do you think then superheroes wear special suits? Because they do have kind of special suits and stuff, like the undies on the outside perhaps, you know. So wh- why is that? It is very comical. But it's interesting, it all goes back to back in those days, they all had to juggle two identities, a mundane, earthly, boring identity, but by night they were a crime fighter, a superhero. So you have those iconic pictures of Superman parting his shirt to reveal you know, a costume underneath or Batman having to slide down the bat pole and coming out in, mm. in costume. And so the costume was what allowed them to maintain their... Secret identity. So yeah. for Batman, it was a mask. 
for Superman who was taking off his glasses. They think, how, how did that fool anyone? Like, <laughs> 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 oh, oh, Superman, Clark Kent, never in the same room at the same time. <laughs> Now, so there's two kind of universes of superheroes. Yeah. There's the DC universe and the Marvel universe. Mm. So you know, what's the difference between the two? Is there any, is there any I, difference? I remember as a kid, I could read DC and loved it because it was so simple. It was good versus evil. And it was always petty theft. They were fighting bank robbers. It was very petty stuff. But then the world of Marvel as a kid, I just I couldn't handle it. It was just dark, disturbing, a lot of angst. And, they, and often they were, there, they were anti-heroes and they were not accepted by society. Yeah. And they weren't fighting obvious crime and they were unappreciated. Right, okay. And so as a you, kid I just wanted a simple good versus evil, white versus black sort of thing. Well, so then you've raised an interesting point there. So what then does make a superhero? Well, obviously they have a superpower, but... They, you have two classes of superheroes. You have those who've come from an outer world, Superman, Thor, and now they have to maintain a secret earthly identity to hide who they really are. Mm. And a lot of DC was that, I'm guessing. Well, so, same with Marvel. They juggle the two. But then you have the ones who are... You're a normal earthly human being and through some misfortune you find yourself with superpowers and now you're trying to work out how to juggle being a superhero when you were once just a normal human being. So what, so what is it then that specifically defines a superhero then? They have a power that they then have to choose to do good with or evil with. With great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As a famous uncle once said. <laughs> okay. But I mean, but isn't the whole superheroes thing, I mean, isn't it just a bit sort of childish? I mean, Rima Rigby, who's a journalist with the Telegraph in the UK, in an article entitled, No Self-Respecting Adult Should Buy Comics or Watch Superhero Movies, once said, Can we all please grow up? Can we acknowledge that Marvel and DC have scraped right through the bottom of the barrel? Can we call time on superhero films, films which are too dark for kids, the comics were originally written for, yet too dumb for any thinking adult? So... Are they child something that uh, mature people should watch? Well, he's obviously baiting. It's a whole high culture versus low culture, which is such an arbitrary social construct because comic books can be a high social culture as well. It's like I grew up Asian where you had to learn the piano because that was high culture and you couldn't yeah. learn the drums because that was low culture. But boy, now I'm wishing I could have played the drums instead because <laughs> that is so much more um, portable as a skill than piano. Yeah. But superheroes, they keep reinventing themselves. So it's interesting the arc they've gone through. They start off as good versus evil. Yeah. You know, a good guy versus a petty criminal. And then it morphed into... They became anti-heroes and it was all about angst, a lot of existential angst like the X-Men and the Avengers. And then it morphed into comedy and parody. So you see with Iron Man, it became just like uh, a guy just having a lot of fun, a bit mm. like what happened in James Bond when it went to Roger Moore, just became comedy. But now it's gone almost like the fate of the universe <laughs> is in the hands of these superheroes. So it's blown into something completely bigger. So there's different, obviously different types of superheroes and different types of things that they're trying to do. But I suppose it's just entertaining as well, I suppose. Is that one of the reasons they've been a, a, attractive to people, do you think? Well, they're obviously entertaining. Like, at any moment there's a superhero on in a blockbuster movie cinema somewhere. Yeah. They do well. It's, it's a licence to print money and sell merchandising. But they must be somehow connecting with something that we want mm. to be true. Otherwise... 
we wouldn't be seeing these movies. Because yeah, they are very, very popular. In fact, uh, and there's lots of superheroes, more coming out. Superhero films have become incredibly popular, earning big dollars. I mean, 20 years ago, they accounted for just 1% of all movie tickets sold. Now they make up over 30% of movie tickets sold. And the recent Marvel Avengers Infinity War movie set a new record as the fastest movie in history to reach $1 billion at the box office. Some even say that the superhero genre is reaching heights of popularity not seen since its origins on the comic book page. So why is this so? Why Why are we loving superhero films? I think we all understand there is a good versus evil plot going on. And we've had simple devices for doing that. We've had cowboy movies... Good guys wear white, bad cowboys wear black. So there's that was an easy one for good versus evil. Then we had World War Two movies, you know, the, the Allies versus the you know the Nazis. But now this seems to be, have become the narratival device for sharing good versus evil. Mm, mm. So you think that's that's one of the reasons that that's popular? one of the reasons. <laughs> Why is that attractive to us though? What does that reveal? You know, if all we are is just atoms and molecules, another species of life on this planet, if there is no transcendent, we're actually just living each day as an event. And each day is an event. Nothing more, nothing less. It's just an event. But somehow we all sense, no, I'm part of a storyline. Yeah. But a storyline always needs several components. One, a mission, a purpose, a direction, a hope for a happy ending. Yeah. It needs good guys, but it needs bad guys. Like, stories do not work without bad guys. And that's what's interesting when you have little kids because they find... Any movie, any story, scary because there's always a bad guy. So Dora the Explorer has a bad guy, Swiper. Like they, <laughs> and my kids are there, why does there have to be Swiper? Because then I say, it would be boring if it was just <laughs> Dora the Explorer. And Disney is boring because it's just character driven. There's Donald Duck, Mickey Mouse, Pluto, nothing happens. Uh, it's just they're trying to sell you merchandising. Yeah. But if you want a story, there actually has to be good versus evil. Yeah. But what about some of the superheroes that are kind of vigilantes? You know, for example, mm. Batman, who takes justice into his own hands, why do we still vouch for him when he's on the screen? I think because deep down all of us wish we could be at night a crime fighter. (laughs) I always say that to my wife, you know, when you go to bed at night, you don't know. I could be out there fighting (laughs) for justice on the streets. You just don't know. And I've just come sneaking back in at five in the morning. I think every woman wishes she had married a crime fighter. And every man wishes he'd married a dangerous woman. Maybe she's the one sneaking out at night as a vigilante. Don't you think every man wants to marry a vigilante? We might put that to our audience. A woman who could kill you with a bare hand. No, prefer, probably, probably prefer that not to happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but deep <laughs> down, you if do. I haven't done the washing up or something, that's right. Yeah, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, the, the crime. It's the, everyone's the, secret existential desire. Yeah, yeah. But what about, okay, so we're talking about the sort of the DC, the Marvel universe. What, what about the real universe? Because mm. some dislike superhero movies because they just don't make sense in the real world. So in an article entitled 10 Reasons Why I'm Sick to Death of Superhero Movies, the author said that they don't make sense. And he said, one of the characters is a god, an actual god, fighting alongside an irradiated mutant and a bloke in a robot suit and someone who fires arrows. Does this seem ridiculous to anyone else? Thor teaming up with some mortal humans? So... Is this ridiculous? Superhero movies depicting gods fighting and living amongst people? Well, that's just the nature of stories, narratival devices, that they become parables uh, where you remove the constraints of normal life and to re-examine normal life. And sometimes you see life for what it is. 
And I think deep down there is this idea that there is good and evil mm-hmm. and maybe there's something bigger going on. Mm. So it's interesting now with the superhero movies, the genre has... Have you noticed, like, with the Infinity Wars, there were no normal people anymore, no normal mundane earthly people. It was just only the superheroes fighting a cosmic battle yeah. with cosmic consequences. So I think somehow it's saying... I think we have this longing that... Life can't just be about me. If it's just about me, this would be a really, really boring universe. Maybe there is something bigger going on. Yeah, well, but isn't there an overlap then between mythology then mm. and superheroes? Like Avengers, you know, in Avengers there's I think Thor, so. God of Thunder. I, I can't do it as well as you. Thor, <laughs> God of Thunder. But he's directly from, directly from Norse mm. mythology. And so another superhero has kind of come from Greek mm. mythology, etc. So... Are superheroes just a kind of a continuation of myths that humanity's made up since Maybe. the Maybe. Well, C.S. Lewis says every culture, every people group needs its myths Why to express that? deeper truths. And it's amazing with modernity and we try to go the age of scientism and I'm a doctor, I love science, I love mobile phones, I love microwave ovens, but we sense there has to be more than just physical cause and effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do need myths to express origin stories, identities, purpose, where we're going. Again, good guys and bad guys. So if we try to remove myths, we just end up inventing other myths. And myths, using C.S. Lewis's terminology, doesn't mean they're not true. And obviously, in a sense, superhero movies are not true. So I hope to destroy that myth for anyone. (laughs) But they are expressing timeless existential human truths and that's why we need them we so, can't remove them so the, the kind of the desire for something bigger and the desire for kind of good and evil etc deep the, down as much as we don't like to believe it we believe there is ontological evil evil does exist in and of itself i read this book uh, donald miller i know he's a divisive author blue like jazz but he's he examined every myth of every people group says they always have good versus evil Mm-hmm. Like every people group senses ontological evil does exist in and of itself. I lived in America when 9-11 happened. And in America, when 9-11 happened, it was very unfashionable to talk about evil. Evil is just a social construct. It's a word invented by authority figures to Im- impose their meta-narrative upon you. But when 9-11 happened, I remember the back page of Time magazine or the front page had an essay by Lance Morrow and it said, this is evil. Can we finally stop pretending there's no such thing as evil? Evil exists. This is ontological evil. And maybe that's what myths express to us, that there is such a thing as evil. Mm. And perhaps then it explains then the rise of superhero genre since mm. in the last 20 years. Because as... it becomes a convenient device for expressing good versus evil. We can't do cowboys anymore. That's boring. But we don't want to do World War II again. So let's use superheroes as the mm. device to convey good versus evil. Evil does exist as yeah. an ontological thing. What about Jesus Christ? Because the mm. Bible claims that he has miraculous powers, you know, healing, telepathy, etc. But and he didn't have the ability to fly, though. I mean, is that significant that he couldn't fly? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe he could. He did transport himself through doors. You know, after he rose from the dead, you have those stories where the disciples were in rooms and they had the doors locked, and then suddenly Jesus appears among yeah. them. You have Jesus walking on water. Yeah. So, well, Jesus then had these kind of supernatural powers, etc. Was he simply then a, a myth? to project these longings on or what, what are we to make of Jesus? Well, the Bible, it's fascinating. Like, he, he comes as both a DC character and a Marvel character. <laughs> and sometimes in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke, he has a hidden identity and he seems to be very earthly, very human, but 
if you just interpret the evidence correctly, he is the Messiah, the Son of God. And then you have the book of John, where right from the start they say, no, he's otherworldly. He's the second person of the Trinity. He's the Word. And now he's come into our world with his superpowers, like performing signs and miracles. But to your question, is he just a myth? The Bible goes way out of its way to say he's more than a myth. If he was just a myth, he'll be just another convenient story, narratival device. But actually all myths point to him. That's why C.S. Lewis, he was a, a Christian and he had no problem expressing that myths express truth. But he, he saw myths as God planting seeds of the gospel or the fingerprints and the footprints of God to help people have the imagination to understand the Jesus story, when Jesus came. Mm. So when he came, he in many ways embodied these yeah. myths, these longings that people had. Mm. Yeah. Well, this week's big question is about superheroes. Do we need another one? And in the New Testament book of Philippians, we learn something of the origin, power, and mission mm. of Jesus, where the author, the Apostle Paul, says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God. So this comes back to what you were saying just yeah. before. He sounds, Jesus sounds kind of pretty powerful, could be some sort of superhero like Thor, perhaps. Uh, that seems to be what he's saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what's then the difference between Thor and Jesus? There's similarities, but you're asking the differences. Well, what's one, the, what, are, what are the similarities? Well, one, he's a god, he's a son of a god, yep. with superpowers, but the obvious dissimilarity is in the end, Thor is a myth. None of us believe he exists because there's no historical evidence for him. We just know he's a useful device. He's a myth for expressing timeless truths, but he's not a real person. So what do you think then is Jesus' special superpower? The one that's countercultural and very countercultural for its time because in, when Jesus came, this was the time of the Greco-Roman Empire, the hero, the man's man, and Jesus didn't play that game. His superpower was the ability to, to serve mm-hmm. and to love and to wash feet and to forgive. Yeah, well, that idea is found in the passage as it continues because through, though Jesus was in very nature God, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, by being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So what's happening here, Sam? This doesn't sound quite like the standard kind of superhero movie script. No, that's right. And the, the, the weakness in the superhero movie script, as people who are fans will know, is what they call the third act, where the first third of the movie is good, the second third of the movie has tension and drama. The final third is a yawn fest because it's just a CGI battle where you're watching coloured pixels fight each other on a screen. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. And you know how it's going to end. And it's boring. And that's because it's just power versus power, power versus power. Well, Jesus comes and just undoes all of that and he says, you know what? It's not going to be like that. I'm going to die on a cross. I'm going to sacrifice. And that's how I'm going to save. That's how I'm going to be a superhero. That's how I'm going to rescue. And that's the ultimate superpower of Jesus. Uh, Not that he can walk on water. Not that he can heal a blind man. But he has the power to forgive sins. And that's what always blows people away. So whenever Jesus goes to a dinner... And he might raise a dead girl back to life, give a blind man his sight again. People marvel. They go, wow, isn't that amazing? But the instant Jesus says, oh, your sins are forgiven, that just destroys everyone. Everyone goes, who does that? How dare he? Who does he think he is? Only God can forgive sins. Mm. 
And that's his greatest power. He is the one who can forgive mm. sins. And that comes through in this passage here by being obedient mm. to death, even death on a cross. And that's mm. how he, he forgives his yeah, sins. Yeah, and that's where, again, you un- deconstruct the superhero story where ontological evil exists out there. And in the end, it has to be a CGI monster. Whereas the Bible maybe say ontological evil exists. So ontological means it's, it's real. Like yeah, evil's real. it's real. It's it exists as an entity. It's yeah. not an imaginary construct. It's not a fabric of your imagination or just a useful word device. It actually exists. And you know what? It might exist in you. You might be the problem. And that's where Jesus is going to begin. He's going to fix us one person at a time, forgiving our sins and having the power to make us new on the inside. And in the end, Jesus... Gives us commands to follow, yes, but more than that. He gives us an example to follow, yes, but more than that. In the end, he gives us his own power. His spirit lives in us. And we have the power to be cleansed from sin and to begin all over again. The power to be born again. Mm-hmm. Well, this passage then concludes in a dramatic way in verses 9 to 11 where Paul writes, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, this passage speaks of every knee bowing before Jesus. And in the 2012 Avengers movie, the evil supervision Loki demands that people bow down before him. He says, "This is is this not the truth that humanity craves subjugation, that this diminishes our freedom? So is bowing before Jesus subjugation or is that a bit different? We... You know, deep down we all crave a benevolent ruler. Apparently that's, that's one of our deepest yearnings and that we're always looking for a benevolent ruler. So the problem with Lockie is he's not a benevolent ruler, but there's something peaceful, there's something apt about being in a kingdom where you get to worship and serve a benevolent ruler. And that's what Lord of the Rings plays with. Yeah. You, you know, when, when, oh, what's his name? Strider. Yeah. You know, he's the Messiah figure. And when he's king and he comes on his horse and he sets up his kingdom, you'd love to bow your knee before him. And that's the image of Jesus. He's the benevolent king, yeah. hero. That's he's setting up a kingdom. And you can be of team Jesus. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a beautiful thing then. Oh, it's a beautiful thing and it's a peaceful thing. You find your fit in life. So is the conclusion that Paul writes here uh, predictable or is it more satisfying than a CGI spectacle? It's way more satisfying. It's unpredictable because you cannot believe the hero has to die. Uh, uh, and then maybe that's a problem with the superhero movies because they're so powerful. How do they sacrifice? How do they die? Uh, and how do they save? But Jesus does it by serving, by loving and by dying for us in our place. Hmm. So what then does Jesus' story mean for us? Well, he's a superhero, Mm -hmm. so we can have his power in our life. But interestingly, that Philippians thing shows that the journey to glory is through a journey of suffering. So Mm -hmm. our world, our life here, in the end would be a journey to glory with Jesus, but it it goes through a journey of suffering. Hmm. So, Sam. Yo. Superheroes. I'm Batman. (laughs) Do we need another one? We, we need one after the Infinity Wars because it's left us on a cliffhanger. But in the end, they all point to Jesus, who's our superhero, who gives us more than commands to follow, more than an example to follow, but he gives himself to us. Let me leave you with the Bible's answer to the big question, do we need another, another superhero? From Philippians chapter 2, 
Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. I look forward to you joining us next time for Bigger Questions. Please thank our guest today, Dr. Sam Chan. Thank you. Enjoy Bigger Questions? You can help us keep asking them for as little as $1 a podcast. Support the show. Go to patreon.com slash biggerquestions.